Hello, everyone. We are here. Very ready to go. New Hope Radio, as well as the Hope Club podcast. And uh, we love being with you, spending time with the Word of God. Thank you for tuning in. Tell me if you agree with this. The best thing a person can do with their life is to make it count for something. You think about that. Now, what does that involve? How do you do that? How do you make your life count for something? It involves living for something bigger than yourself. We're going through Paul's letter to the Philippians, highlighting uh, certain aspects of each chapter. And we noticed previously that in chapter one, we begin with understanding true humility. I am. What's humility? Humility happens when you have the ability to take yourself out of the center. That's humility. You're no longer the star of the show. It's not all about you. That's humility. Then in chapter two, we spoke about teamwork. Remember, teamwork makes the dream work, right? And teamwork is supporting your personal, subordinating personal interests for the purpose of reaching, of working together with others to reach the goal. That's teamwork. You subordinate your own personal goals to work together with others to reach the goal of the group. Like a team, right? Football team baseball team. They know their role. They do their job, as Bill Belichick would say, coach of the Patriots. And they all work together toward that goal. So we noted the team that Paul the Apostle had, and we took a look at young Timothy. And from Timothy, we learn that it takes like-mindedness with a leader. Because Paul said, I have no one that has the same mind as I do, like Timothy. They were like-minded. Also, it involves caring for others, going anywhere and doing anything, whatever is required. It, it also remain, uh, includes having your, oh, I like this one, having your trustworthiness tested. You can say you're trustworthy but it will be tested. And then see how you come out on the other end. It also means not living in self-interest. That's what we learned from Timothy. And then Paul said, I got another teammate. His name is Epaphroditus. And we learned from him that Epaphroditus understood the brotherhood, as Paul called him a brother. Paul called him a co-laborer. Here's a guy that was fighting the good fight. He wasn't afraid to roll up his sleeves and get dirty. Whatever was required, he would do it. He was a teammate because he was sent on a mission and he completed it. And he had the heart of a servant. Good qualities. Come on. Think about it. The brotherhood, a co-laborer, fighting the fight, accomplishing the mission, a servant's heart. These are the things that create teamwork. 
And every church should really make a push to a higher level of effectiveness, especially for the day and age we're living. And if a church is going to make a push to a higher level of being effective, well, you know where it begins with? Uh, the people. Oh, yeah. It, because the people are the church. So now it becomes an individual thing. Each individual church member must see themselves this way. And then working corporately, the church becomes very effective for the cause of Christ. And then when you reach the goal, you cross the finish line, you have what we're going to speak about today, the true prize. Oh, yeah. God, let me, let me tell you something. Whatever God asks you to do, he makes it worthwhile. He does. You're not wasting your time, your energy, or your effort. God makes what you do worthwhile. And we're going to see that the Apostle Paul himself is working toward receiving this special prize. So we're in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 12. And Paul said, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect. He knows who he is. The word perfect is the word teleo, and it means to be mature or full-grown. Jesus used a similar word, tetelestai, when he was hanging on the cross, and he said, it is finished. So it's like the plan of God has come to completion for him. It's come to maturity. So Paul is saying, hey, I'm not at the end of my race yet. So you know what I do? I press on. That little phrase, press on, it means to pursue. It's like a hunter pursuing his game or a lion pursuing his prey. Okay? You're on the hunt and you don't give up till you get there. He said, so I press on and this is why. So that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. What's he saying? I want to accomplish the purpose that Christ had for me. Christ grabbed hold of me, and he had something for me to do. And I'm pressing on so I can accomplish what he has for me to do. There it is. It's that simple. Paul wants to fulfill his purpose for God, saving him. God saved him for a reason, not just to get him to heaven, but there's a lot of other things that go along with it. And I think every one of our salvations is very similar. God didn't just save you and me so we could sit on the beach and drink pina coladas all day. No, but he has equipped us with gifts and talents, the wisdom of his word, the power of his spirit, that we could be effective, that we could live for something bigger than us. Because that is what life is about. Life is about living for something bigger than you. Remember where it all began. When Paul was stopped on the road to Damascus, he was hunting down Christians, members of the way, they were called. And what happened? This bright light <laughs> shined out of heaven, and it blinded him. He had an awakening with Christ. And then he was saved. And then Jesus told him that he had a vision for him, that he had an assignment 
for him. Okay? And he does that for every believer as well. Because Paul said later on that God saved us and called us, excuse me, with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to, here it comes, his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus. What? From all eternity? You mean before I was even born, God knew in his mind the calling that he would place upon me? Yep. And once I was in Christ by means of salvation, that calling became a reality. So we all have a real calling on our life. It's a, Paul called it a holy calling. It means a sanctified, a separate, unique calling. See, God's calling for our, our life is probably very different from our calling for our life. Okay. William Barclay said, every man should all his life press on so that he may grasp that purpose for which Christ grasped him. That's right. You think that's the key to life? To figure out why did God give you life? Why did God give you spiritual life? And then now, what does he want me to do with it? I mean, that's it. Those are the three questions. Why am I alive? Why am I saved? What does God want me to do? We have to, if you're going to attain the prize, you have to answer those three questions. If you never answer those three questions, you'll never attain the prize. And don't say, oh, I don't want the prize. We'll address that later. Now, what's the key to victory? The key to pressing on? Paul tells us in verse 13, you know what it is? A bad memory. <laughs> you ever think a bad memory could be good? It can be. And here's what he said in Philippians 3.13. He said, brethren, remember now, he's writing to Christians in Philippi from a Roman prison. It's an apartment jailhouse. He said, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. In other words, I haven't arrived. Even though I'm an apostle, I still got work to do. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now, what does it mean to forget something? It means to put it out of your mind, to neglect it. Don't think about it. And what is it he's putting out of his mind? Well, if he's talking about attaining to the prize, okay, he's talking about completing his life mission and realizing that he's not all that. Paul Paul said, you know, I'm not all that. I haven't even arrived at where Christ wants me to be. So you know what he's going to forget? He's going to forget some of his fleshly accomplishments in life. And what were some of them? Circumcised the eighth day. Okay, he followed the tradition of little Jewish boys. Of the nation of the nation of Israel. He was a true-blooded Israelite. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, that was an elite tribe. One of the best. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. It means that he maintained his tongue, his national tongue. He was, as to the law, a Pharisee. The guy knew the word of God. 
Oh, yeah, he was a scholar. As to zeal, he said, I had so much zeal, I even persecuted the church. That's a lot of zeal. As to righteousness, which is in the law, I was found blameless. The guy walked the walk. He did, but it was a religious walk. But here's what he said after that. That's like some of us saying, I've got a bachelor's degree. I've got a master's degree. I've got a doctorate. I've I've developed a research center. I've built a building. I've done all these things. Wait a minute. Paul said, but whatever things were gained to me, all those wonderful credentials, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He's saying, I would rather know Christ personally than have all those diplomas, certificates, trophies, accolades. They don't measure up to knowing Christ. Why? Those are works of the flesh. Knowing Christ, that's a work of the Spirit. How many people today neglect the Spirit? The Spirit that is in them. Are you feeding your Spirit? Are you building your Spirit? See, so for the Christian, we must also forget all the accomplishments, all the good things, and remember what we still have yet to do. Because you know what we can do sometimes? We can rest on our laurels. You know, we rest on having already done what we've done, and we stay there, and we don't reach forward. You know, somebody has the attitude, oh, I've already done that. Let someone else do it. I've already been there. Let someone else do it. I've already, do, you know, and it's like, I served for five years. I served for 10 years. I paid my dues. I did this. I did that. Paul is saying, let me tell you something. We don't arrive. The race isn't over. You don't run a 24-mile marathon and at 12 miles say, you know what? I ran 12 miles. That's enough. No, man, you got to do the whole 24. you got to finish the whole thing. Now, why? Because that's where the prize is. So we all have some things to forget, some good and some bad. I'm sure Paul had to forget all the persecution that he was guilty of, because that'll hold him back. Guilt will hold you back. That's why we need to understand the grace of God. We've all done things that could make us guilty. We've all done things that were regrettable. And God's grace comes in and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace has covered and my blood has washed away your sins. And we can go on. That's how we go forward. So you forget the bad and the good and you go forward. You know, Jesus said something like this one time. He said, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when I read that years ago, I used to think, oh, God wants us to to plow straight lines. (laughs) If you look back, you're going to make crooked lines, and then your farm's going to look silly. And of course, that's what I used to think. And then, uh, you know, you grow up and you realize, no, that's not what it means. What it means is that if you put your hand to the plow, don't look back because Plows in those days, many of the poor farmers, the blades were made of wood. And they have to concentrate on where they were going. 
And if they were lackadaisical or they were in la-la land, they could hit a rock or a root and break the blade on the pl- on the plow. And they'd either, either have to take a day off and repair it or make a new one or go buy one or something. And they would lose a day of farming and every day counted in those days. So it's not a matter of making straight lines. It's a matter of not damaging the plow. Focusing on where you're going. And he says, if you don't focus, you're not fit for the kingdom. And then he said something else one time. By the way, that was Luke 9.62. Then he said something later in Luke 17, which kind of complements this. He said, remember Lot's wife. Oh, yeah, I remember that lady. Remember that girl? The angels came to Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, said, take your family. God's going to destroy the city. Run to the hills and don't look back. Run and don't look back, Lot. Lot grabbed his family. Let's go. Run to the hills. You know what his wife did? She looked back. Boom. She became a pillar of salt. Now, why did she look back after the angel said, don't look back? You know why? Because her heart was still in the city. She was worldly minded. Maybe her body was leaving the city, but her heart was in the city. And she was executed. It makes us ask ourselves, where's my heart? Oh, is my heart in the world? Is my heart in the kingdom of God? Where's my heart? So the Christian life, if Paul says it's like a race and I'm pressing on and I'm going forward, then I'm always looking forward. As a matter of fact, everything about you points forward. Have you noticed that? Your eyes, they point forward. Your ears, they point forward. Your mouth points forward. Your feet points forward. Your arms point forward. Everything points forward. Almost everything. There's only one thing that points backwards. And that's, that's things that should be left in the past. Right? So the Christian life is about going on. In verse 14, Philippians 3, he said, I oh, hear it comes. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's still pressing on. See, the Christian life is a diligent life. Some of you are very good at pressing on with things that you have to do. You have challenging jobs and you press on and you do your work. You have responsibilities and you press on, you get it done. Apply that to the Christian life as well, to your Christian walk. Press on. The phrase means reach for the tape. You know, when the runners are getting close to the finish line, you ever notice some of them? When they're getting very close, they give that last burst and they stick their chest out because the first one to break the tape, that's the winner. So they press on and they stick their chest out and if their chest can break the tape before the other guy, they win. That's what Paul's saying here. I'm going to push my chest out. I'm going to break the tape. You know what? I want the prize. I want the award. I'm not running because I got nothing to do. I'm running because I want the prize. That's what he's saying. I want to win. It's not even that he sees the prize. But you know what he sees? Jesus, who's going to award the prize. That's what he sees. Because he knows Christ is going to be the one to present him with the prize. So I say to you, you want to see Jesus? 
Do you want to see him at the finish line? It's not the gift. It's the giver. It's not the fact that you received a prize for your faithfulness and your diligence. It's the fact that, wait a minute, Jesus Christ gave it to you. That's the honor. The honor is Christ gave it to you. And Paul said, do you know, or really he said, do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, yeah, but only one receives the prize. So he said, run in such a way that you may win. 1 Corinthians 9.24 So don't just run because you said you ran. Now there are people that run the Boston Marathon for the sake of saying they ran the Boston Marathon. That's their bragging rights. I ran the Boston Marathon. They know they don't have a chance against some of these professional runners. But we're talking about the Christian way of life because everyone can receive the prize if you press on and if you press forward and if you don't give up and don't quit. He said in verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The word goal is the word scopos. It's where we get the word scope, like to scope it out, right? To watch something. Right? When we were kids, we used to say, you want to go scope it out? Want to go, want to go to the park and scope it out? See what's going on down there? We apply it to what? Telescope. Want to look up? We apply it to the periscope. Want to look around? What are we doing? Scoping it out. So Paul is saying, you know what I'm looking at? I'm pressing on toward the goal of the prize. I'm going to scope out the prize. I got my eye on the goal. I see where I'm going. And what's the goal? At the end of that is the Lord Jesus. See, think about this, okay? And that's why I love many of Paul's examples, because they're very practical. When a runner is running a race, he's not thinking about the race that he ran last year. He's thinking about the one that he's running right now. And he's actually only thinking about one thing, running and winning. And maybe it's a race where He might not beat other runners, but you run to beat yourself. What does that mean? What's this guy talking about now? You run to beat yourself. How do you run to beat yourself? You challenge yourself. You don't give up. You don't quit. Maybe you try to have a better time than last time. You, you want to run and you want to finish. And you want to be able to say, yes, I completed the race that God had for me. So when you see the finish line, kind of like at the end of your life, well, then you know it's getting close. Let me ask you, do you see the finish line? You might be far away from it. You might be close to it. I don't know. We don't know how close it is because, boom, life is a vapor. Could be over at any time. Paul did say, a rapture is going to come, and we don't know when it's coming. It's going to come without warning at the last trumpet. We're going up. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. We're all going up. So if the rapture came tonight, that means the finish line is like tonight. 
Now, there were people in Paul's day called antinomians. And these were people that, uh, you know, they didn't follow the law. It was all grace. There's no discipline. They just, you know, whatever. God will forgive us. God knows our heart. Paul is saying just the opposite. Paul is saying we discipline ourselves to godliness, to maturity. We press on. That's what we do. So, in summary, what is chapter 3 about in this letter to the Philippians? Here it is. Every believer, number one, has a calling. That calling is from eternity past. But it becomes effective or activated once you become in Christ at the moment of salvation. Secondly, every believer is on a team. It's called the body of Christ. Some are hands, some are feet, some are eyes, some are ears. We all have a particular function in the body. Okay? Thirdly, every believer must train. How do we train? We train ourselves with the Word of God. You're doing that right now by listening to this message. You go to church, you pick up your Bible, you're getting trained in the Scriptures. Fourthly, every believer presses on. You keep on pressing and pressing and pressing. You don't wimp out. You keep going. Every believer, number five, then reaches the goal and receives the prize. So if you complete the first four, number five will take care of itself. Think about that. And the prize is Jesus looking at you. He's going to look you right in the eye. And you know what he's going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Master. See, the Christian life is an ambitious life. You should have ambition and zealousness. For God, why not? Now, after the race, we need a rest. (laughs) Chapter 4, you know what we're going to talk about? True contentment. How do you find true contentment? That's a good question. And you know what? God wants you to have it. So we will talk about that next time right here on New Hope Radio and the Hope Club podcast. Just type it in. If you want to find the podcast, just type it in online. The Hope Club podcast. Now go to our website, newhopecc.tv. Scroll down a little bit. It's there. Or go to iTunes, wherever good podcasts are found. Thanks for coming along today. Hope it helped. I'll see you next time.